0: open the window. (laughs) Women of New York, frost yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) What's that from? How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Never seen it. You've never seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? No, I haven't. It's past the time, but uh, for a rainy day, you should I don't have any beef against it. Um, I just, it's never come out It's too late. Is it? No. I think you should see is it. it what, how, if, As in you might just be like, oh, these but, kinds of films. But of, James, of the McConaughey no era, maybe. it is, I, it I, is I, premium I mean, McConaughey uh, poster isn't, of him leaning against a leading co-star. Being like, what am I like? That, how I got lost in 10 days. Isn't yeah. Catherine Hahn in that? And it's she like, is, with is like Kate Hudson. Friend. And then yes. they were in Gloss Onion together. Yes, and she's like the, the friend. Like, you just need to focus on your career. Oh, blah, blah, blah. What yeah. a staple. You know, Kate Hudson's best role. At least go in 10 days. Yeah, sure. Okay. I don't, I'm not going to fight you on that on a film I haven't seen. I've got nothing wrong with going to see mm. an old rom-com. Did you that see- is a product of its time. Did you see Failure to Launch with Sarah Jessica Parker? Do you know? Because that was like towards the end it's, when he started to take time, time off. On. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It's not awful, but it's such a weird premise. It's about erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no <laughs> sorry i just i took the title jesus christ I he, this is a
0: family show <laughs> no, I thought, it's a medical condition i thought there he was are a parents sa- listening I, in I the swear, car I reaching I'm for sorry, their body but i swear that that i thought it was like he was a salesman of medication that no. no he's a he's like a man who's like very socially capable good looking but he never moved out of his parents house and sarah jessica parker this is ridiculous sarah jessica parker plays a woman who's paid by the parents of their sons uh to date them, make them realise that like they live this unhealthy life, oh, so Jesus they then Christ. like move out. But of course what happens is they fall in love. And the trick with this one is that in the end, she's running after him to like say she's sorry oh, and ask well, her well, back. Like a, what so a, it's a barrel flip. scraper. <laughs> That's when he um, took a bit of time out and came back with The Lincoln Lawyer. Yes. And The Lincoln would, Lawyer came out and he was really good in it. I read and I like, um, oh, Matthew McConaughey doing a serious little crime drama. I read Green Lights, which was his... Uh, autobiography which is very entertaining yes. a little yeah. a, li- a little all right Matthew. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> yeah. ooh, mr politics ice. no not politics it's more just like and then i did this but you got to believe and i'm like yeah okay cool but, on, but very serious uh very sincere and uh, i enjoyed it and he writes in that about how he took mm. it really it was only about 24 months yeah. But, yeah, it but, it, but it was but it, he i mean he he got offered a you know, he was, was getting, he had to say no to obviously a lot of things, to everything basically, yeah. and to reboot his career. And they offered him one million, two million, and then eventually they offered him $15 million yes, dollars to, use, to, to to do a, a, a film. And he was really like, Holy shit, who am I to turn down $15 million? Yeah. But it worked. Just, you know, we don't know what that film was or if it got made. Nope. It's and no it, theory. It might not have got wrong. made. That's the thing. If the, if McConaughey's not in, you just go, 15 million. So much. That's Is that crazy. Jim Carrey when he said he got a check for ten million? You know, Jim and Andy Great Beyond. Yeah, and, and he cashed he yeah. it because he went it himself. Yeah, something like that. Or like I remember the, the. Ex- I don't know why I remember this anecdote. The Expendables two, a film series mm. I've never seen. Seen the first one. Mm. Am I missing much? Uh, I think the first one's possible. Oh wow! Three, I couldn't. You really yeah. said it. Um, no. it. it's got this novelty of oh, they're all in a film together. Yes, right. And then that um, wears off. And then I think in the third one or the second one, Bruce Willis was meant to film for one day and he was demanding five million. TV's just gone. Go on, you finish. Bruce Willis was uh, meant to be filming for one day right. and he was demanding five million. And Sylvester Stallone, who was directing, was only giving him four million. <laughs> and eventually they fired him. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Like, who gets paid four million to do a day's work and goes higher. <laughs> I want 5 million. Come on. <laughs> what what are you not affording at yes. that point? Like what are you going? Uh, technically just... <laughs> if you give me 4 million I'm in the wrong tax bracket. Yeah. Actually, if you give me 5 million I'm just over. Yeah. I've always thought that about a, obviously a footballer, salary. very very obvious. But when someone's getting 250,000 pounds a week and they're going to 350,000 pounds a week, there's very little in your life that's changing at that level. At, even giving at yourself a level. 30 at level, even giving yourself a 30% increase at that point. I'm like sure. you're still just that's it's just nothing meaningless cash maybe yeah maybe maybe the numbers need to be a bit bigger than 350 i mean like i'm pounds sure- a week a week so sorry <laughs> yes. a, think week. a year a year no, you're right we're talking like 15 million pounds a year yeah. versus 12 it's million not like his, a year. his kids could stop going up chimneys now <laughs> you don't know what footballers get paid <laughs> no i don't <laughs> uh, So, on another episode of Travel Mishaps with James, the adventures of the airports and whatnot, Mm. um, I went to Barbados for a work trip, which (sighs) is very nice. My heart bleeds. Yeah, it was was lovely. All the work trip was fine. But I've realised that um, in this universe, it's very finely balanced. And things that go well must therefore go (laughs) extremely downhill in almost a very, like, Newton's third law. For every action, there is a reaction. Right. Right, I've never had such a moment in my life where this has been so clearly defined. So... Bear in mind, I've not paid for this flight. So I have very little skin in the game. But still, it was booked by a company. And I, you know, we're flying eight hours to Barbados. So we got a premium economy seat, which oh, is really very nice. Good very, very nice to have. Um, you know, In the morning on my cab all the way to the airport, I check in online, see that I'm seat 25-something. Very nice premium seat. Lovely. Go into Heathrow. And you know how now you can basically uh, check in and do your bag drop without actually speaking to a human? Yes. So you can just sort of queue up. You put your passport in. You get given like a paper boarding pass, and then you get your own tags for your bag. You put it on a machine, and off they go. So I get given a boarding pass, which I don't look at, and I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, another boarding pass. Oh, James, up always oh, the- got to check the boarding. Oh, pass. Oh no, no, this is this is this is the good this is the good <laughs> part of it. So you know, I meet up with my work colleagues, and you know, we just go separate ways. And then going onto the plane now, I'm in the tunnel, about to go on. You know, big plane, big passenger jet and you know two people away from the air steward calls me welcome on board and then i take a look at my just to remind myself of my boarding seat and i see 10d and i'm like 10d it's a very low number does that mean and then i see enjoy your business upgrade wow george i got upgraded oh to business so I your dreams are made of. I know I like, well, on top of the world so I go in they look at it and they go oh sir hello yes please come and sit it wasn't going left I'm not first I'm not you uh, know. <laughs> I, I could smell the essential oils coming yeah. from first but I sort of like went into business but obviously business yeah. amazing couldn't believe it I like thought did they upgrade me and then I saw my work colleagues go past I was like have you been upgraded they were like no And I was like I've been upgraded I had a three course meal, oh a goodness. wine pairing with each one. I watched that third episode of The Last of Us, which was like feature length, cried with my red wine. Wow. It was fantastic, it was just fantastic, it was fantastic. I edited episode 61 of Pop Kitchen because I had a desk oh, that wow. moved. I was literally lying like this, just going <laughs> through the episode. Peak of my powers, wow. right? Completely changes your relationship with flying business but, class. <laughs> Absolutely love it, right. But of course, everything that happens in this world <laughs> has, a has an equal and opposite reaction. Cool. So again, I've not booked the tickets so very little skin in the game. Have my sort of four day work trip, which was fantastic. And so the other two people I was working with had already uh, been booked earlier than me. So they were on a flight that was like three hours earlier than mine. So I sort of stayed at the hotel. Eventually got my car to the airport. I turn up at the airport and there are basically two British Airways desks and a sea of people spiral, spiral, spiral. Mm. Q, 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 not moving. And then a long line of people mm. all the way to the side of the airport. Oh my god! So, yes. like, god. so it's like an hour and fifteen minutes of waiting. No Wi-Fi data there, just waiting. Very hectic energy, bags are piling high because their machines are not working. And I finally get to the front desk. The woman takes my passport, goes, type, 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 ding. And then she goes, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, but um, we've had to downgrade your seat. (laughs) Like, No. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I almost laughed to myself because I'm like, Downgrade your seat? Why? Is, so apparently on the flight that the plane was currently on while we were waiting, a row of premium economy seats had been broken. I don't know how you break a seat, but apparently, like I was in one of those seats and they downgraded me. And I was almost like Can they upgrade you? Surely that's yeah. the, 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 the <laughs> the I, that's what I asked. I was like, is there any chances that no full plane, completely full plane? And I was like, Oh my god. But then I went like so sort of got my boarding ticket, which had no seat on it. It was a blank boarding card. Like they'll, they'll sort you out when you get there. And I was going through security and I was like, I could be mad, but I'm, pro- I'm okay with this. Because <laughs> you were given the, the, the business experience. I am at peace layout. with this happening. Wow. But A, what are the chances of an upgrade and a downgrade in the same trip? That's, uh, Unbelievable. that's a real test. I felt uh, like you we were part of a reality show. And at the it, end they were like, the, 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 the writing later, room, and the Truman show for my life are just are having an absolute knees up so laughing. The, the the downgraded seat, just tell me, was it bad? So it was look, I got so I'll tell you what happened. So I got onto the plane, and um, the British Airways people who were letting me on board, they looked too Well they thought, <laughs> oh God, he's so tall. Oh, so you're the one with the downgraded seat. I'm so sorry. Which was very cool. And then, you know, the British Airways staff have this i don't know how to quite articulate it they have this like very sort of john lewis-esque softly spoken yes of course we'll sort you out it's just yeah. between you and me oh of co- let, me, let me see what i can do oh it's a full plane so they, they put if me any british airways staff are listening we oh yeah say, th- this is a, we're not saying anything bad right? oh no yeah it's a huge compliment they're just very like attentive and they say yes of course it, you and me we'll, we'll sure. sort it out so they put me in an aisle seat which is very kind and um like when the play everyone was sitting down and they, one of the air hosts came to me with a glass of champagne, but like in front of everyone in economy, so I'm really mad. It's like, there you go, sir, that's you. We are so sorry if there's anything we can do, just let us know. And I'm just there like, thank you, I'll be okay. Thank All you. The All the other people. There's literally a mum like holding her baby, trying to breastfeed it next to me, crying. There's like couples like shoving bags. Oh, wow. And I'm, I, there's no explanation as to why I'm just getting champagne in economy, but I can just feel like a thousand Everybody, eyes yeah. in, like, the the clickers my in the last of us, literally. Like, <laughs> um, but just, weird, like the the exact yes. correction. I'd say probably like, you know, economy's fine. This is, is probably a nicer, uh, evened out. Nothing surprises me with you anymore. <laughs> you, you come up with these stories, like the Heathrow Apple with the knife and like, you know what? Yeah. You could, you could have told me that you had a connection you had to fly through Zanzibar and like I would just go okay well, yeah, yeah, well that's. Happened. guess another one yours happens story. in James' week um, but now I'm going to be very suspicious of anything good that happens to me I'm like <laughs> shit what is what is the exact mathematical I've never had such a sort of consistent you know exchange of good and bad fortune there's an ancient deity working on an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> just <laughs> tallying your tabs at the moment going well if yeah. we move that up there and that down there well welcome back my again little sympathy you still, go still got to go to Barbados in to Barbados, February. Which is very nice. Oh, it's um, beautiful. We, and oh, put you on Instagram and all of us there. I know, me, I'm sorry, looking at it first thing in the morning <laughs> in, the, in the darkness because the sun hasn't risen yet. We're like, <laughs> uh, uh, Jay's at the beach. Time. <laughs> well, Welcome back. Thank you very much. The big film that we're going to be reviewing uh, that's out at the moment is Knock at the Cabin uh, this week. But before we do that, I just want to catch up on some films we've been watching respectively filling in our blanks. Also, uh, I wanted to just have a mention about Babylon. Something occurred to me about Babylon because, Mm. you know, box office flop. Yes, it seems to be actually winning the attention of a lot of uh, Gen Zs on TikTok. I'm not sure those people actually went out and saw the film, but like it seems to be, I keep getting pushed. Like what kind of content? Pushed like, oh my God, isn't the ending of Babylon amazing? That, that oh, montage, isn't it fantastic? Didn't like it. Anyway, um, but I did think of one thing with Babylon. Mm. Damien Chazelle could have made a Marvel film, right? We well, you know yeah. that time last year when I ran through how every indie, like the, 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 the well-worn trajectory is indie director makes a big hit, then it's taken and made a, makes a Marvel film or a big studio film. It's them on the map. And then they go off and spend the money on another project, right? Sure. Damien Chazelle made Whiplash and he could have done that. But he didn't. Yeah. He made the project he wanted to make, which was La La Land, First and then Man. I guess the most studio type film you could argue of his is First Man. But I still think uh-huh. that's like that wasn't. That's that's hard, still, it still it's feel... hardly the MCU, is it? Yeah. And then he's made Babylon. So, so when you look at Babylon, I kind of think, yeah. But he, what would you prefer, that or a really bland? Marvel entry with no fingerprints of the director on it at yeah. all. So, sorry, that just occurred to me. And it's interesting it's flopped considering the cast you've got on the poster, right? Because I just think this this idea that you... Yeah. Our sirens are on I think this idea that you can just, like, put a Brad Pitt, a Margot Robbie at the front of your film and go, oh, well, that's just immediately... You know, like Will Smith used to sort of command that, that kind sold, of thing. Yeah, but, you know, talent hasn't sold a movie. No. For eight, unless it's Tom Cruise. Or maybe Leo. You yeah. can't really sell a film on talent alone anymore. The um the by contrast though on the, what I will say not by contrast on the flip side a lot of people come out and said Babylon flopped because of the marketing the marketing for this film was terrible like this film the marketing didn't communicate what this thing was about and I agree like, when I saw the trailer I did think, yeah. okay what's going on here but I do I not see it though I, 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 well yeah but I um I don't hold any blame at the marketers fault for that because my argument isn't that uh, the marketing lacked an identity and it lacked an idea of what it wanted to be. The film, the film lacked an idea. Yeah. The film took three hours to sort of make a very broad, vague, not that no- novel statement about cinema and old Hollywood. Yeah. And like, if you're a marketer trying to get that into a three minute trailer, less than and, you're p- and a poster, yeah. you haven't got a lot to work with. So when people are like, "Oh my god, the film, the the, the, the marketing didn't sell this film," I'm like, "The film didn't sell, sell the, the film. film." Weirdly, I think back on Babylon, and I go, "The first hour and fifteen minutes of that film, I really, I was oh, really enjoying yeah. myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you eventually sort of get tired of what it's trying to do, and then it loses you." I also, it's like there, I think there's another cut there. There's another crack at that, that it, film. Um, it's good. It starts at its highest point. Like, you, yeah. you, where can it go from the beginning? It's a sequence it, it in the first third, pitch. which could be your, fi- that could be your finale yeah. of a different film. Mm. But anyway, anyway, so we've done Babylon and that was a couple of weeks ago, but I just wanted to mention that. Anyway, so we've caught up on a couple of films between us. So you've got I'm trying to see- get through the, the noms. So I've gone to catch up on Elvis. Right. And then I saw um, The Whale. Mm. So right. I'll get onto those at some point. Okay, so The Whale, right. I mean, let's talk about that first because- mm. I went and saw that, I can't believe that it was like five months ago. I if saw it. If you that. want to go and I reposted George's review on our feed. So if you want to catch that yes. full review, please go and check that out. You should see it there. And people but... might, I think it's worth saying as well, because we have had a couple of comments about this, that people might have seen our review or us talking about the whale on TikTok because it was yes. pushed to them as an ad. Yeah. And people have, and there's a slight confusion when people say, oh, you seem to be talking <clears throat> about the whale in a very positive manner, but this is clearly an ad. So how can we trust what you're saying? Yeah. Well, obviously, that's uh, the. The chain of events is not that simple. We posted a video about the whale when I went and saw it, an honest review Mm -hmm. on TikTok. And two months later, A24 wanted to promote the whale on social media. And they saw that video, which is very positive about the whale because I liked it. And they said, "Would you mind if we used it uh, to promote the film?" And we say, "Of course, uh, it's not a problem. It's no different to having a quote from a critic's review on a poster." He said, right? "Would you mind if we yeah put uh, some we said- yeah?" So, so we've not actually an- received any money. Not at received all. a dime. Okay, no. so just made that clear. And but- just to be clear, I think. If we were ever uh, in a relationship where money was exchanged between us and a uh, distributor, we would declare that before talking about a film. And I would say, you and I, as a personal thing, would always say that our opinions would still be our own, regardless if we did take money from a brand. There's a complete. But I'd always disclose that if, for example, Paramount decided to give us money, I'd always say, "We've seen this Paramount film. Bear in mind, we have done this brand deal with Paramount before. Take our opinion with a pinch of salt." Anyway, just worth declaring. I saw the whale back then. I, you know, I I gave my review of it. Um, It's on the channel if you want to see it. And all this time, you know, I've referencing it here and then obviously the Oscar nominations, the buzz has continued, the train has continued, you've been wanting to see it. Yes. And you thought you weren't gonna see it because you were in Barbados. You're, you're finally back. You've you got it. to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? Do you want should we recontextualize it for people a little bit? Yeah, do you want to do it? Sure. Okay. So again, based off a play and very much like a play, set all pretty do- predominantly in one room mm-hmm. of uh um Charlie is in a 600 pound um uh, morbidly obese uh, man who is an English teacher he teaches online remotely played by Brendan Fraser. He's got a daughter, a strange daughter to Sadie Sink There's also a, uh, a character played by Ty Simpkins who keeps coming into it. Hong Chow is his friend and sort of carer um, and it's about sort of a, he's reached a critical stage of his health and uh, he has uh, a very limited amount of time to reconnect with Sadie Sink who plays his daughter and and uh, establish uh, regain lost love. That's the broad. It tackles, you know, religion, uh, uh, homosexuality, uh, the beauty of the mind and the ugliness of the body. It's all in there. But mm-hmm. James, what did you think? Yeah, it's, I think it's been an interesting film to sort of wait to come out. It, you know, it had a very successful festival circuit months ago when you went to go see it. You know, there were all these, like, you know, 45-minute long-standing ovations. Brendan Fraser getting a lot of press. And now it's getting in the hands of more people, As it's been released, there has been some sort of interesting discussion and criticism about what this film is doing. Mm. The presentation of obesity is something that I think now I've seen the film is actually very underexplored in cinema. Mm. I can only think of a couple of things that maybe really tackle that. And with that, it's coming a lot of conversations about the use of prosthetic, right, and makeup, which, you know, is such an obvious part of an actor's transformation to find a likeness. I have an opinion about that, actually, but we'll let you. We we can get onto it. And... um, You know, I think when people are starting to look at, okay, well, what are the lines of trying to, you know, actually capture this character in a way that sort of makes sense and is safe? Um, And and I think, you know, Darren Aronofsky has previously explored this idea of this body horror, you know, in Requiem, Black Swan, even Mother. And I think, you know, if... I, I've heard lots of people say this film does a disservice to the conversation about obesity because you could argue that the only reason that, you know, that this film, the only conversation this has, is that people who are morbidly obese should really only just try and set their affairs in order with their loved ones before they end up killing themselves. Which I, I don't think that's a good way to look at this film. I think that would be a reductive yeah, way yeah. to, to to look at this film. I think Darren Aronofsky has overall made. A solid, good film from a pretty average screenplay Mm. with a world-class performance at the centre of it that I think, without that, I don't think this film would do as well. It is easily, um, you know, held up by that performance. I think there's something to be said about how much I'm sad that we have missed out on Brendan Fraser Mm. for so many years. Because I look at that performance and I think about someone who's been through what he's been through. You can sort of Google what's happened with him. Someone who is playing a character who is longing for connection, Mm. longing to reclaim something that was lost, Mm. cling on to something. And I think there's a real rawness that feels both true to that character Mm. and true to that actor. Maybe I'm sort of clutching at straws, but to me, I was like, this has just got so much that I haven't seen Mm. before. Um, I would not want to watch this play. I can tell you right now, because uh, I remember you saying to me, oh, it's very stagey. It's it really is." It's claustrophobic and it all takes place in his apartment and the sort of peripheral characters sort of carousel in and out yeah. of his life. And for a stage play, that makes a lot more sense because obviously you're stuck in the room. But as a film, I felt just towards the end, I was getting a little bit tired of like the doors just swinging open. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. very American, the doors unlocked, yes. just come, just come yeah. straight in. I think that was I was a little bit like, I I wouldn't want to, um, I, would, I feel like that format became ever so slightly stretched. I'd say coming out of it, I don't think it's this broad Oscars sweep, but I no. think... If Brendan Fraser won the Oscar for that film, I think it is well and truly deserved. There are many moments, I think, especially towards the end, where it really did work on me. I was incredibly emotionally connected to that oh, story. Yeah. Um, but as a film, I think I'm like, yeah, this is solid and good and yeah. interesting to see. And there are going to be lots of conversations about representations of obesity, which will come from it. But I, yeah, it remains to be seen. I think I, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Did you cry? Um, no, but I uh a lump in the throat. Yeah, uh, Okay. okay, okay. 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 Do you count that? Do you, If you have a lump in your throat, no, do you call that as like an umbrella term of crying? No. Yeah, like... To, to, to crying causes... is tears yes, out of tears. your eyes. Right, yeah. So, so no. Oh, but Oh, Some people would be like... You "Oh, like you, you were moved. I moved, moved. You, you yeah. were moved, but you did not cry. Yes. Yeah. There are levels, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, we should have like a sort of distinct category for what crying I, means. I only bring on that up because I, was, I did, and it was early in the morning, but I also have a friend who saw it who's a, you know, a bit of a blokey bloke, yeah. and he was really moved by it, but I think you know, also reflective personal experience for him. But um I just want to, on the conversation about obesity, I kind of I find it's kind of lazy. In the same way that saying tar is a film about cancel culture, I find that saying that uh yeah the whale is just a film about obesity because really when I watch that film, it's not about obesity. It is about those characters. About yes. That is a character who happens to be obese. Yes, there are prosthetics used, but that is because you, are, you are you expecting yeah. safe i saw a comment online this is very glibly put but it was like uh, people seem to be surprised that they didn't use a 600 pound gay actor just who was just happened to be lying around for this who film. happens to be as talented as yes exactly and, it, yeah. I, and yes there are prosthetics and yes you need to rec- recreate that i don't have a problem with that because it's rendering that character mm. uh, in a real way i don't ever i never properly felt that Aronofsky was looking at that character in a leering or uncomfortable or grotesque no. way. There are elements of his life unbelievable that are, are grotesque. And actually, what I didn't say in my review is, if you look at the point at which that film begins, when you first see Charlie, and the point at which the film ends, the point, the beginning point with it, with it, like how grotesque mm-hmm. and you know, it's a real sort of Welcome disgusting, yeah, <laughs> beginning. <laughs> you know, move yeah. to, to where that film ends. takes place over the course of a week. Right? Yeah, to where that film ends, I think is a really beautiful arc. Mm-hmm. Um, a kind of like transcendent movement. Um, I Yeah, I don't think it's about obesity. That is just a character who that is obese. It is more about religion. And yeah. I think in guilt and um, uh, failure mm-hmm. and pressures we put on people and how- the the Connections pe- and honesty. And deep and, flawedness. Yeah. I mean, a fantastic- um, it's not a cameo because it's extended, but Samantha Morton coming in for a very brief section of it. Yeah, T- terrific. Um, yeah, I so so I, I agree with you. It's uncomfortable, and that's why when if you listen to my review, I'm not coming out and saying, "Oh my god, I, I, I love the whale." It's 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 difficult mm. and it's hard to watch. But uh, I do I did find it moving, and I yeah. didn't find it manipulative as well. I think you're right. No, but I also thing is by saying that uh, that it, it, it without the acting, you know. It, it couldn't really uh exist but it's like it kind of it's a very sparse film that 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 are it's the the acting performances are it's only like foundations it's like mm. saying well this house has only four walls it's like well yeah it's it's like you know we mentioned though this film is about we say like you know profound themes like religion connection mm. loss and, and you know those are all like really great things that you think make up a good screenplay but it's like that's really good but like in between it is a little some, some like average writing Yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I mean I what it's I mean. like we've covered so many really yeah. great things and there's some wonderful moments in, you- and crescendo and then like, in between I'm like yeah, did you the-. think the bit with the chocolate bar I mentioned when he tries to when he's thinking about eating the chocolate bar was emotional I found yeah it quite yeah, Oh, yeah, that was because it's like it's like self harm. Yes. Um, oh, it's a very much self destructive. Hong um, and... Chau, great. Uh, yes, as as the, as the carer. But very good. Um, I, let us know what your, your thoughts are on the whale because it is out now and it's been talked about for so long. And like like I was kind of saying before, you had the positive reaction coming out of the festival, but then you had the kind of the backlash where people say it's manipulative. It's, does it does a disservice to and people. It's been well, sitting for a long time. I think it's Reductive and misses the yeah. point. I think go into it and I think there's, there's enough in there to, to come away with. I'd be interested to see how, because, um, you know, uh, Women Talking is out. We're recording mm-hmm. this a few days before that. Women Talking comes out. And that film is nominated for Best Picture and it's mm-hmm. not out yet. And I don't think people are talking about it in the way that I feel like everyone's been talking about Brandon Fraser and the Whale for months because of the imagery that's been released sure. and it's a, the renaissance and yeah. we've got the fat suit. I'd i be interested to see if that really sneaks up because, on me well, and yeah, takes yeah, me by storm. I, I, I think so. Also, just whilst we're talking mm-hmm. about Oscars, I know we did that last week. but I, Please just, go and check out last I, I was hearing an interview with Kate Blanchett today on Six Music and I just had a sudden thought of, oh my God, I think Tar could just win Best Picture. Do you think? I just suddenly thought that it's the kind of thing that people who, it, you know, the Oscars are voted for by film people who yeah. make films and do films. And I just suddenly thought this needs to be striking a connection with, uh, What I, I've spoken to a lot of people who've seen Tar and it really seems to be lingering with them and getting onto mm. their fingernails. And I'm just wondering, if it's starting to have a bit of a groundswell now and actually it could just clinch it the last round. Because it's quite complex. I if think can we can c- lift a lot of ideas. For, by the way, yeah. I've not spoken to someone else who's seen Tart What is the sort of feedback you're getting from people? Uh, very positive. I've spoken to a lot to of people who want to see it. Yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of people who've come away and had a really interesting reaction. said, wow, that was, mm. that was really good. I, I, I you know. Uh, they have a reaction they've, they've, they've engaged with it yeah I was a film I was very excited to that, discuss with yes. you because I didn't know where you'd sit on it or how certain things make you feel which I think make there's an interesting factor there to be like I wonder how my peer is going to think um, what they're going to think of this just moving on another film I caught up with that you had seen and reviewed last year was She Said yes which, and talking about Samantha Morton turning up for one scene yes, she's really there. good in yeah. She Said as a uh, a standout scene of Zelda Perkins. Um, so, you know, she said, you covered it last year, obviously the, the, based the on the, the the Harvey Weinstein investigation by the New York Times. Mm. I think everyone knows what that is and they can catch up with your review if they want to know more. But for me, I would just say I I, I, thought, I liked it. It was solid. Yeah. Uh, I do think that I, the story is perhaps better than the film. The story is so yes. okay. interesting, essential, shocking and engaging. Mm-hmm that I think it's actually better than the filmmaking at work. I think that when I was watching the film, the word that kept coming to my mind was choppy. And I really felt sure. it was like this and this and this and then this and this, like someone had cut up the article and was like throwing lines at me and going, and right, a bit of I an see. assault information wise. And I think that, I think Maria Schrader who directed that, I believe this is her first film. And she, oh, she's she directed television and stuff before. and And I got that slight sense of, uh, this is my first film, uh, not my first film, but this is like uh, I'm handling a big project here with a big budget and uh, you know lots of talent and a very important story. And there were a couple of times I thought uh, the focus was slightly misplaced or yeah. um, mis- uh, uh, you know um, misemphasized. There were a couple of shots towards the end. A really specific example, but um, there's a shot maybe ten minutes before the end where it suddenly cuts back and shows a lot of the women who have been interviewed, them arriving at London or... Uh, it cuts back to the 90s and it shows them. And it's just a second where it's actually very jarring and confusing. You you see this woman back on the beach in Ireland talking to her friend, a character you've not seen before. And I was just suddenly like, I, I get it, but you don't need to do this. You've just thrown me. Um, sorry, that sounds very petty, but... Um, no, I know what you mean. So, I, so I, it's I, slightly choppy, but, but undeniably incredibly important and mm. um the the true facts of that that story are, are shocking and the the bravery of some of the women in it uh and you know ashley judd appearing as herself yeah in the film is great i still think people it really grounds it in reality totally i Definitely still worth a watch, don't get me yeah. wrong. I was just saying personally, I found it a little bit choppy, but it's uh, still solid. Some of my favorite scenes in that are when the film is more still and it's like conversations with the editor yes. of the Washington Post trying to decide like, what do we do here? I've got, we need to give like some due, you know, warning yeah, to these 48 people. Hours to We're also competing yeah. with, is it Variety? To like get this- uh, The New Yorker. New Yorker, piece, uh, yeah. to get this out at the time and not like lose the scoop. We've also like got Harvey Weinstein on the phone right. him coming in and like almost negotiating the yeah. information. It's, uh, it's well, very was... fascinating to see that side there was one too many scenes of kerry mulligan and uh um zoe kazan walking down a street in new york on the phone to someone with people busting sure. all around and i was like i i just i just need just a bit of focus mm. here but it's hard to sort of tell that story of I two know. people and but what no do i, I know. do what you mean and, and yeah. i don't get me wrong i'm i'm really happy that that story was handled in the, the way it sorry been. that's my laundry one sec. back. <laughs> don't get me wrong i'm really happy that that film has been handled and and that story has been told in the way it has been yeah um uh, female director, female screenwriter, <clears throat> female cast, obviously as as, as as they were female reporters, compared to something like Bombshell, which was, uh, I think the script was written by a man, directed by a man, and really, I think, mishandled that right. story. But yeah, definitely still worth a watch. Lovely. Oh, and a shout out to Andre... Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who's in it as the yes. sort of terse, <laughs> authoritative, <laughs> wrong, incredibly calm. Yes. The real leader. He's the one who speaks to Harvey Weinstein directly. Seen it directly. all before. Been sued a hundred times. Harvey, I'm leaving the room now, but you're 48 hours. Who have you talked to? I know, it's, it's <laughs> shocking. But anyway. I don't really want to put Harvey Weinstein in my repertoire of impressions. I don't think <laughs> no. we need to. Also, sorry, it reminds me of the Jerry Seinfeld uh, joke <laughs> about Harvey Weinstein, which is that, if you look at, when you hear the- like, Jeff the, Garland. No, no, it's, it's, uh, it's like when you- uh, hear about um, you know, Harvey Weinstein and the shocking things that he did, you look at a picture of him. It, like, it's like, if you were gonna cast a movie, that's the guy you would hire. You're like, <laughs> yeah, he looks, he looks like a fucking scumbag. <laughs> <you know? laughs> anyway, um, what else have you seen? Elvis, you said. Elvis, I saw. I'll just talk about that quickly again. George reviewed it when it came out, in but July it got nominated in, Wow, is that July? But uh, you know, since it's been nominated for Best Picture and it's passed me by and I really wanted to check it out. Um, directed by Baz Luhrmann, biopic of Elvis's life. And And it is directed by Baz Luhrmann. It's a real Baz Luhrmann flick. <laughs> the main thing to say holy shit he- well, hello Austin Butler yeah, I told you what right, a yeah. performance yeah. just coming from someone who I wasn't aware of before completely embodying that character yeah. from the start of his life and managing to sustain the different stages of who Elvis was I think it's as you said it's a Baz Lemon film so it's full of that that flair it's constantly moving constantly soaring if the camera's not swirling and moving it's going through newspapers and records mm. and flicking through f- pictures and <clears throat> you get a sense of who this person was I really liked to sort. Some- Someone who doesn't know a lot about elvis hearing about how you know obviously he was inspired by black r and b music in, in the 1950s and 60s it was all about making that kind of style palatable to a white audience at the time i think there's mm. things about that which is quite interesting how that came about tom tom hanks as captain tom parker of oh, course sorry colonel, <laughs> colonel tom, tom parker. parker tom hanks is a wildly talented actor but just just yeah, rips out. What a think? misjudged, misplaced yeah. performance. I don't know if it is a lot. Uh, something that was lost in translation between what Baz Lerman and Tom Hanks are trying to achieve and capture on the screen and what actually comes out in the film. But like, I'm really enjoying this film. And then every so often, yeah, oh, yeah, like, oh, throughout the whole film, he's just there. Like car- He looks like a political cartoon caricature. Yeah put to In, life... Even with, incarnate, literally. That? That's making the most too, grotesque features. With yeah. far too much prosthetic. Yeah. for Even for a Baz Luhrmann film, which is a little bit opulent a yeah. little bit larger than life. And it just ripped me out of the film every single, every two to three minutes. Know, right. And, you know, the, the story, and I, th- I think rightly so, based on what I now know about Elvis, is that... It's not just the Elvis story. It's the it's story, very sadly, of Elvis. is how he was manipulated and abused and mm. controlled by someone just looking to extract as much yeah. money from that machine. And it, you can't tell that story without having that character be a very prominent part of mm. it. But that just kills the film for me. Yeah. I was enjoying it. It's a bit long, and I think, a bit long. as a byproduct of how Elvis's story unfolds, I think it's sort of. Ends with a slight trail, trail off, mm. very sadly, just because by the good circumstances- final scene. what happened. Very good final. Love the final scene. It yeah. Re- really moved me. And you know, the stat that Elvis Presley is the, the, the best selling uh, recording artist of all time. Mm. Um, but just, uh, you cannot ignore that mm. Tom Hanks performance. I believe Tom Hanks is, is very, very yeah. good. But wow. I know. Because you said It's it. a sticking point. Yeah. It's a real sticking point. I remember your eyes when I was trying to do an impression of it, you were like, sure. What, really? Not. Surely he's exaggerating. Also, so there is that. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Hello, Austin Butler. Uh, could very easily win yes. best uh, best Yes, out easily, yeah. Um, just a thing about when you say, um, sorry, uh, uh, Elvis, big, you know, biggest selling, you know, asshole time. Yeah. yeah, he did have a head start. <laughs> he, he did get there first. Like, I'm not when saying he doesn't music deserve it. When started being like, sold. But he was like, you know, 10 years ahead of the Beatles. So like, yes. he, he he got a head start because he was yeah. in the 50s. It's yeah, not like yeah, he yeah. came out today. Sure. Uh, churlish point, I know. Yeah. Um, what else has people been watching? Oh, uh, yeah, tell you what. Uh, um, quickly. Yeah. Uh, we did. We looked at the Sight and Sound Best Picture poll, didn't we last yes. year? Remember, you know Gene Dealman being number yes. one. The, the the one that the BFI they'd, they'd aggregated all the results of some of the best films ever. Great episode. Go and listen to that. And coincidentally, the BFI are running a Kurosawa series at the moment. Yes. You and I talked about director blind spots, right? Uh-huh. And I'd never seen a Kurosawa film. Shamefully. And uh, they were showing Rashomon mm. the other day, which is both on that BFI list, right? Um, I don't know why I said both. It is on that BFI what, list. What number was it sitting at? I like seven eight. Would have to look it up. That's for you. fine. I think there's a there are a couple in the top uh, hundred uh, from Kurosawa. There's Ran, I'm sure, and Seven Samurai. Yep. I think yeah. Seven Samurai was. The, one of the, 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 in the top 10. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Rashimon's further back. Fine. But Rashimon, uh, so I went to see it and it was showing in the, I was like, I've got to go see it. And, mm. and do you know what's an absolute beautiful, sweet clincher? 88 minutes long. Oh. Uh, so I was like, if you're going to get me to go and see a an, 73 uh, 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 year old black and white Japanese movie, it's going to be 88 minutes long. I am in. I will watch anything that's 88 minutes long. Any I will good? Watch, I will watch Paint Drive at 88 <laughs> yeah. minutes long. Um, and it was good. Shockingly <laughs> yeah. enough, it is still very good. So brief... Um, uh, uh, Sorry, so, just before you go in. Yeah. Isn't it funny that like you and I went through that top 10 list? And we looked at like the number one, which was Gene Dielman. Yeah. And this is like by so many people's standards, the greatest film of all yeah. time that you and I had heard about it for the first time. And it was three hours long. We both went, nah, can't <laughs> be <laughs> asked to see it. We looked up and we're like, I just don't fancy it. But apparently it's the best film know, of all time. I know, I know. But we will. It's just, anyway. <laughs> anyway, the Rashomon. demands of making a podcast. Yeah. Um, so Rashomon quickly is, uh, it's this story of, uh, it's a period story in, in Japan. It's about a samurai that gets... Uh, a samurai is found dead in the woods and um, a bandit is arrested bl- uh, blamed with his murder and the story is sort of framed by these three strangers who meet during a rainstorm uh, uh hiding under a ruined temple and they tell this story about about this case and um you have the story told to you in a very uh, in in three different times with yeah. the perspective slightly changing which is a device we're more familiar with now but is is actually regard as coming from Rashomon, right? So mm. the last duel is the most obvious recent example. You know, the last duel was like, yes. this is a chain of events and then we're going to do it again, but it's going to be slightly different. That's yeah. At the time people were like, oh yeah, that's Rashomon, okay? And very similarly, it all focuses on uh, the samurai's wife. The samurai is taking his wife on horseback through the woods and they you know, they meet this bandit and depending on whose chain of events you believe, but in each circumstance, the bandit assaults, the wife. Okay. After right. after tying up the samurai, he assaults the um the wife, and you hear from the bandit his version of events, and the wife gives uh her version of events, and then in, in a little far fetched take, but something that completely works, the samurai from beyond the grave gives gives his version of events okay. via a Shinto um uh, medium. Who? Okay. Uh, no, I was like, okay, we're gonna go with this. Okay, yeah. I'm with it. And there's this sequence where this this Shinto medium is speaking with this disembodied voice of the samurai and she's got this really sort of like pointed teeth and horrible features wow. and i was watching it and i was like holy shit i think that's where freaking got some of the exorcist from oh. and there's this sort of you know like the puzazu yeah, sound yeah, effects yeah. we talked about the last dark, year guttural. and i was like and there was some genuine freaky moments I thought, oh fuck that i think it's freaking and in fact rashomon as a whole film from the moment it began i was like That's where that shot. Remember, I told you. That's where that visual language (laughs) is. Isn't it great when that happens? When you go back for a blind spot and you're like, oh, yes, that thing I take for granted that I thought that was just like came from somewhere. That's where it's from. And not only not only does it stem from here, but this hasn't even dated that much. Obviously, it's it's a very Western-friendly device. The kind of whodunit um, mystery at its heart. It's it's very, very kind of Western-friendly, but um, it's it's good. It's yeah. like, the camera work is amazing. Oh, the, yeah. the remastering, there's these fantastic tight close-ups on people with beads of sweat. Mm. And it's only got three locations. It's the the temple at the, at the beginning and the end with the rain. There's the the courthouse uh, courtyard. You don't even see the, you don't even hear the, the judges and stuff. They just react to it. So it's just basically like a... a, a, a Playing a bit of gravel mm. that he sits on, and then there's the woods. But what Kurosawa compensates that with is lots of different camera shots and angles. So you've got you know the establishing shots, but then tight close-ups, like I said, with the bees of sweat, and it uses dappled light to really create drama through the trees. And um, it's great. It's mm. a really solid. If you haven't seen any Kurosawa and you need to start. This is a perfect one mm. to do it. It's very palatable still 73 years later. It's it, you know, 88 minutes long. There's really no excuse. You'll know his style without knowing his style. You'll have seen it in a exactly. things. Exactly. And i was uh, like, Any um, YouTube I, compilation uh, of the greatest video film shots of all time yeah. are littered with clarity. Exactly. Films. And I need, to, and actually, sorry, at the beginning of the, just before the film. Uh, Played, they showed the trailer for the whole Kurosawa season. Nice. And they were showing bits from Ran. And so, I mean, like Ran is like three hours long. It's basically yeah. King Lear. And I thought, okay, now this guy's good. I've got to come back. <laughs> what I will say as well, because there have been some emails in the past where people have said, how do you engage with, um, uh, you know, the classics? You know, mm. how do you go back and do that? Uh, there's so many blind spots. And I would just say, if you're really struggling, but you want to get a bit of breath, just focus on watching... One film mm. by a celebrated director, okay? Just start, start with that. Where? Like David Lynch. Okay, I've seen two. I've seen Blue Velvet and Mulholland. Yeah. Two, two of his most famous. But at least I, can, I have a slight foothold to understand the perspective. So I've now got a basic entry-level yeah. perspective on Curacao. You know where you place yourself. I haven't seen any Bergman. I have seen one Fellini. So I can, yeah. at least I can understand what's going on there. Start. Start with one. Beautiful. Anyway, and you know, we, we sort of lightly slagged off the coffee table book "A Thousand One Films" to see yes. it before you die. But Rashomon but, is always in there. Yes, it's uh, definitely worth a watch. So Rashomon, and if you if you catch this in time, the the Kurosawa season, the BFI I think runs to the end of February. Obviously, with the recording schedule of this, and by the time this comes out, it might be slightly out of date. But mm. we, you know, we are still watching the Last of Us. It is a massive show at the moment, and actually. I'm struggling to start a new show while The Last of Us is on. The Last of Us right. is only dropping weekly. Yeah. But I went and watched the first episode of The Bear. Oh, yeah. And I completely forgot about it immediately <laughs> afterwards. And it was 24 hours later, I went, oh my God, I watched The Bear yesterday. Yeah. And it's like my brain space is taken up by The Last of Us. So I've, I will watch The Bear. Yes, yeah. But I'm putting that aside Rest for a bit. Um, I, I, and I mentioned that because I had seen up to episode three of The Last of everyone us. went... Uh, we're now sort of behind because by the time this comes out, episode five would have been out. But um, but I finished episode three and yeah. I was like, this is a serious show. Yeah. I am it in is with is this show. It is the full HBO treatment and um mm-hmm. yeah you, you throw in max rocketers uh, uh the nature, nature of daylight, daylight which has been yeah. featured in films like shutter island and arrival right. the scene when everything you're aware of what's been happening in arrival mm-hmm. like that that emotional swell which <laughs> it, uh, it's it's interesting how uh you know in episode three you do an episode like that where you where a lot of tv shows do this you really rest your main actors yeah. and you go on a sidestep to tell a piece of storytelling that establishes your world and you know i uh, th- th- that that thing with Bill is very different to what happens in the game. That story takes place on a scrawled up note and it manifests very differently. You're actually interacting with Bill. There's really great moments in the game where Ellie and Bill really dislike each other Mm -hmm. and they do meet and he helps you do a thing and sets you off. And I was almost like, if one part of me was like slightly gutted that I missed out on that reaction because that's such a good part in the game. But what they did do, once again, you're taking just core elements of, of a story and going, what really happened? Who were these people? what what went on between bill and frank and I, ju- I just completely broke your heart i did not miss joel and ellie because i was no. just so. In- i was never bored going i want to go back that was just beautifully yeah. told i uh beautifully told we talk about film a lot obviously on this and cinema but like that yeah is, no but my point is that <laughs> i finished that episode and i was like that is fantastic television yes that is excellent storytelling a life no what? no it wasn't it was only an hour 15. No, it wasn't. Was it, was, hour 15? No, it was hour fifteen. Oh, just okay. Oh, long? That's an entire life in essentially forty minutes because actually Joel and Ellie bookend that whole episode. Yes, they do. And uh, crying, just yeah. sobbing at the end with just this life that you've seen played like out. Storytelling, know, the world has its ended, but life goes on, and so does death, and so does illness, and so. Yeah. Does, but creating a apparent oh, beautiful. and that, that final shot looking through yeah. the window—you don't need to see what's there, but you know, yeah. letting them go off because because you know in the game. Bill does Joel a huge favor by giving him his car, yeah. And it's Frank who's took the battery and put it in there. And it's like that's that that core part yeah. of what the story did is still there. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, on with the reviews. So, George, apart from The Whale, the other big film that is out this week is M. Night Shyamalan's mm. Knock at the Cabin. Yes. M. Night Shyamalan is a director who I think has one of the most mixed-received back catalogues. Patchy to say that, Some yeah. really great films that I think are genre-defining in pop culture and some real stinkers <laughs> some real bad decisions where you go whoa i kind of yes. think this is a good director but who what happened here um, you and i've talked for a few times about how the village has has mm. its own little it's you, sort of resurrected you, now. you rewatched it yeah, recently I did, did yeah. you yeah and it works yeah um but i'm gonna try and see it this week but i haven't managed to yet but knock at the cabin how'd you get on with it well it's neither of those what things you mentioned it is okay. neither a career high for Shyam- Shyamalan, but it. it to be fair to it, is not a bottom of the barrel, you know. I mean, like, The Happening is absolutely diabolical. For, right. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, Knock of the Cabin is neither of those. Because I've seen, sorry, just before you go into it, I've seen people coming out of it from critics and people I know like, oh, absolutely love this. And then I've seen the mm. opposite. Uh No, I have to disagree with that. <laughs> uh, um, look... obviously I'm going to do this and it will be spoiler free but obviously I have to talk a little bit about the premise and I a lot of what I'm going to be saying is in the trailer but I might have to encroach just a little bit further into like the first 20 minutes of the film But if you really want to know nothing obviously stay Mm clear um the thing is, um, it's the film, it's the M. Night Shyamalan film that I really wish had a twist, <laughs> but it doesn't, okay? That's my takeaway. I was like, I really wish that I'd done you something mean. slightly more. Um, it reminded me a bit of The Menu, which we haven't really mm, talked about because yes. I know you went and saw that. Like The Menu, I found Knock at the Cabin to be a, a film that has a really interesting premise Yeah. that has completely had all its interesting sharp edges shaved off of it. Yeah. Right? My thing with The Menu is I came out of that and I thought, that film needed to be nastier or funnier, or preferably both to be interesting at all. But it was actually sanitised and sanded down yeah. and very blunt and a bit dull. <clears throat> and the same thing has kind of happened with Knock at the Cabin. Um let's I mean where to begin so the, the story is this it's it opens in the middle of the woods people have seen this in the trailer and um uh when uh this eight-year-old girl is out collecting grasshoppers in a jar and she's 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 on a vacation with her two dads uh in this cabin in the woods I say to bucolic beautiful setting mm-hmm. and lo and behold Dave Batista emerges from the, the 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 trees up ahead and you know going to say Shyamalan knows how to like set up things visually I'm not he, he's He's got a fairly decent visual eye for things. Mm. The opening credits uh, sort of look at these notebooks with horrible imagery and scrawls and very sort of um, genre-heavy typeface, which use the titling. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of in. You have an ominous sense of dread. Dave Batista comes out of the, the woods and he walks up to Win, and he's... Dressed very mild manneredly in a, in a short sleeve button down, tucked into some trousers with his glasses, which really kind of belies his massive hulking yeah. friend. So there's this nice conflict happening visually with him. And he says, Oh, hello, Wynn. My name's Leonard. And and they have this very polite conversation. She's very suspicious of him. She's quite a smart child. But they just sit outside and he collects grasshoppers and they have this nice conversation. And he says, mm, This makes me sad. And he keeps looking over to the side of the trees. He says, It makes me sad because of what I have to do today because I need to speak to you and your dads about a difficult choice you have to make. And then emerges from the trees, three other people, Um, one of whom is played by Rupert Grint and two others, carrying very strange looking, Part tools, part weapons. Uh, Dave Patista has a pitchfork that has been gaffer taped to like a meat cleaver. Um, this uh, other, um, the woman has like a, a mallet which has a chain which attached to like a, a, a log or something. It, it, it These really distorted, like American Gothic inspired stuff. I mean, visually interesting yeah. stuff. Wynne runs back inside. She, she alerts her, her, her dads and they shut the door. And then that's when you get pretty, pretty immediately the titular knock at the cabin, right? right. You know, dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> I need to come inside. We we we've got something very important to talk to you about. It's this very sort of business like, polite way of talking. I mean, at first they think it's Jehovah's Witnesses, but Q, and this is this is seen in the um, the trailer, the home invasion sequence. Because obviously they don't let them in. Because mm. why the hell would you allow three complete strangers, one of who is the size of a, a, a brick, Batista. a brick shit house, <laughs> Drax from Guardians, <laughs> um, and they're armed. Anyway. <laughs> Sure enough, they break in, and soon enough you have the two dads tied together on a chair, one of whom is uh, uh, concussed, so his there's a debate about how his uh, logic and mental faculties operate. Wynn is not tied up, but she's just there as well and again the the, the, the four strangers are very polite um, uh, they apologize for uh, slightly injuring uh, Jonathan Groff um and then you get this kind of they they say and i don't think this is in the trailer. You know, you have basically you have a very difficult choice to make. We're here on a mission because uh, we've seen visions uh, and you will have to, one of you will have to kill one, of the, one other member of your family uh, or the world is going to end. Uh, you cannot kill yourself. We cannot kill you, you for you. This needs to be, you need to kill somebody. You make a sacrifice. Otherwise, a plague is going to be visited upon mankind. And you already get symbolically, you're like, okay, I get symbolically, Four Horsemen, ho- four Horsemen of the Apocalypse yeah. kind of vibes, right? There is a point when someone says- so there are three of them. No, there are four of them. Oh, four. There's four. Oh, of course. Yeah, Patiss, to Rupert Grin, another woman and another woman. Right, okay. And there's a point at some point in the film where someone says, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And I'm like, I know, you do not have to tell <laughs> yes, me. Yes, thank it you. so obvious. My issue with North the Cabinet is, after you have that quite enjoyable sequ- home invasion sequence, is that the film really doesn't do much- to make you doubt the strangers. I thought this was going to be an interesting dilemma between these guys have broken in, they're probably absolute loonies, um, you know, internet-dwelling trolls, conspiracy theorists, but could they they have actually been onto something? The film, uh, uh, Shyamalan is not really interested in setting that up, and so what you actually get is kind of a foregone conclusion that pretty early on you're like, well, I guess what they're saying is true because the film is not telling me otherwise. Their film is not giving me any reason actually to doubt them other than... They've broken into the home and they're weird, but they keep saying we don't mean you any harm because um, you know one of the dads immediately says this is a this is a you know homophobic attack. You're, you're prejudiced, and they say oh no no, not, there's nothing about that. And I'm like, where's the other counter argument to make me as an audience member think what is actually going on here? Because all I'm getting is, is quite matter of fact. Almost. It's unbelievably matter of fact, and that's another dis- another problem with the film is that it's all talky talky talking, nothing showing me. Dialogue: Dave Batista saying, "This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen." One of the dads saying, "No, because this, because this, because this." Another person, "This and this." Shyamalan writes really dumb dialogue sometimes. Yeah. It really bothers me. Dialogue that humans... you ever seen "Lady in the Water"? Yeah, I, <laughs> Christ. And like, there are no gold nuggets in this. There, there, there is dialogue that every so often you think, "What? A human? Why would a human say that?" And, and for example, when they're trying to break into the cabin, one of the dads says. You know, it's getting quite vocal and violent, and 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 then the dad says, "You know, step away or I'll beat be, be your ass, you stupid piece of crap." And I'm like, "Stupid piece of crap!" Like, who and talks and like Ad- that? yeah, who talks? This isn't a child. It's like, like a thirteen-year-old. Like swearing. go out. I mean, this is a fifteen certificate as so well. Like, just just swear at him. Like, I don't. It yeah. really made me think. Like that's not this person doesn't understand how humans talk. Um, so the, the the dumb dialogue is annoying and there's there's sequences with a, a TV and like um, things that are shown on the TV like like um, news and stuff that I'm like it's so dumbly put together and so like completely unrealistic with how news footage and stuff is presented on TV that I'm like just don't insult my intelligence I'm like come on really anyway mm. um so so, so so there's that so there's the fa- first of all there's, there's no tension there as a thriller it kind of then it kind of de- the whole film then kind of deflates, and you've got two things. As a thriller, it's toothless, and it, and it and when it gets to some, there are you know uh, moments of violence and really sort of like uh, you know grittier stuff. But when those moments happen, the film pulls its punches, and it will cut to a shot outside, or it will cut away from the really nasty stuff. And like the menu, I said no give this to me, make this an 18 and make this really nasty to get some dirt under its fingernails and, and, and give me something to be really shocked by. Make it a real grindhouse kind of film. Don't sanitise it and make it kind of softer because you're not. I've not got anything else to go with here. So the thrilling aspect of it is diminished and, and limited mm. and stunted. Intellectually, I thought, okay, well, at least if you're going to limit us to one location and have this kind of, like, discussion, I'm like, are we going to engage in some interesting ideas here about a moral dilemma, you know, a a crisis of, of, of what we believe knowledge to be, and... You know, like you know, is, is there gonna be something about conspiracy theories and where, where knowledge comes from? And uh no, it's not. It's very talk, talk, talk and telling and, and not showing. And and so intellectually it's not very interesting. So what you get is a very actually incredibly bland tale um mm. that sort of just happens before you and you kind of just react to um and um it also reaches a point. I think it kind of shoots its shot quite early on and you go, well, now you've done that. How the hell do you come down from that? And there's still an hour left of the movie. It is mercifully short. It's an hour and 40. Oh, good. And it, you know, it's strange enough and odd enough to carry you through. I didn't get really bored. It's fairly pacey. Um, but I, I, I came out of it and thought, you know, that would have been a really good Jordan Peele film. Or mm. that would have been a great Ari Aster film. I really I really would have liked that to have been a bit more disturbing and really got into your head about, oh my God, well, I never for, for one moment felt engaged in this scenario. It's a scenario-heavy film. Um, I also think that, oh, on, on the plus side, good kid acting from The Kid mm-hmm. who Plays Win. Um, and everyone's doing their bit. Rupert Grint, great. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed him. in. It. And Dave Batista is given space to, to really occupy that character and be you know he's really occupying the frame at times with with shallow focus and like great that's cool but um i think what the um the thing that also bothered me is the the, the presentation of the 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 two dads and the, their gay relationship is i thought was insincere there is a there's some flashbacks to how they met and their relationship and there's a it falls into a uh, a really outdated gay cliche of going to vietnam to adopt a child which is win. that's not a spoiler and i thought that's a bit out that's a bit 2005 <coughs> this is modern oh, this is modern family like um and then also i i just really get yeah, there was a, this kind of lingering insincerity about depicting uh their relationship and i th- also felt a bit uncomfortable by the whole home invasion sequence at the beginning i'm like are you I, i'm worried that people will watch this and go some people think yeah, uh, two gay men can't defend the can't defend a home. There's, right, there's a okay. deeper level about the role of men and the role of gay men, but it's not in, addressing that. Home. trope. It's not addressing that, I think it kind of uh, dangerously kind of engages that trope in a bad way. But also that gives the film a kind of intellectual acknowledgement that I don't think is actually working on an intellectual level. It's almost like you've been you haven't been given enough. So you're trying to overthink yeah, each other. I am I'm yeah. it. But so okay, stepping back a bit, then it's a kind of flat, not uninteresting but also kind of uh limited exercise i think i probably preferred the menu slightly because i think that's got more jokes in it but um yeah you you'll see what i mean if you watch it you'll go fuck i wish there was a twist i wish there was something coming in here and there are moments sorry where you where the film almost explores uh a a counter narrative and you think oh good and then it goes nowhere (laughs) It sounds like, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like it's almost trying to, on a quest to be a little bit submersive, subversive, especially for your expectations going into a Shyamalan film, yeah. it almost loses its claws and its teeth along yeah. the way. And actually what you really like is some more obvious moves like actually yeah. go, yeah, oh, that's what we're doing. Yes, I want just, to be, I do actually- It's one of those films. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to be, Deceived a little bit. I'm not saying Shaman, mm. you need to have a twist, even though I did just say that. But I'm like, yo, know, a little bit of deception, a little bit of surprise. Because he's and a twisty director. He does his twists. It's not, it's not horror, it's not scary at all. But I couldn't help but think of Barbarian and how yeah. sucked into that I god, was. I and how weird. you're really thinking, all the time. oh my god, but why am I throbbing? Yeah. And what's down there? And what's also that, subversive as also well. Also subversive. And there's just none of that in this. Mm. However, it's currently doing very well at the box office as, right. of, as of the time of recording. And uh, it's, it's all right if you, if you have time for it, but yeah. I think if, if, you, if you want to go see it, go see it if you're curious, but um, I think it's a pretty uh, limp exercise. Lovely. Well, there you go. If you see Knock at the Cabin and you have opinions, please write in to hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. We would love to read your opinion out on the show. When I saw it in the auditorium, not a full auditorium, yeah. I'd probably say like 20% full. Demographic? Um, people between the ages of 20 and 40. Okay. Some people alone, some people yeah. together, but the atmosphere... So dead. Really? I mean, obviously a half empty cinema is going to be like that, a quarter empty cinema. yeah. But like, Jesus Christ, no energy. No, I sat, I was with three friends. Mm. We all just sat there. Just let the images just land on us. And then we (laughs) we all just went, Okay. Yeah. It's interesting to see what's doing well these days. You know, you've got Knock at the Cabin doing well, but I could so easily see another universe where that really flops. The Whale, I know it's got the sensationalism, but that's doing really well. For its limited release. For 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 the the kind of film that it is, and you know, the the talent. (laughs) The thing is like, Babylon flopping. What I will say about Shyamalan is like, I don't, get... he's a bit like Baz Luhrmann, which is that it's quite, obviously it is easy to critique the style yeah. and stuff, but like he is in a vague sort of way, like an auteur. He does go and make yeah, his own got films. Got his the style and his it, approach. It, he does his thing. So I don't ever want to say, I don't want to see an M like Shyamalan film. I'm, I'm glad, you know- He's he still turning up for what he's going to do. But like looking through, yeah, his, his back cast on. Sixth Sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, Unbreakable, interesting. Right. Uh, signs, underappreciated. Yeah. Village, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lady you see the, in the visit? Water? Uh, no, I didn't. The no, visit's good. The okay. visit of a modern Jamal. I'm trying to go good. through it chronologically. Sorry, that's fine. But um, <laughs> Lady in the Water. Don't, uh, don't yeah, grab yeah. It's quite funny to watch, actually. Um, <laughs> happening. One of the worst films I've ever seen. Yeah. And then the, to talk about the dialogue in that is oh, Jesus Christ. Um... And then Avatar? Last Airbender. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen not that. Not seen, but the, I, the yeah. other Avatar movie from 2009. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, I haven't seen The Visit and I haven't seen uh, Old, which is the one that came no, out during the pandemic. No, Old. I completely forgot but, about like, Old. Again, like, great. I, like, I, I just wish that, like, he gave his ideas to Jordan Peele to execute, okay? <laughs> because the ideas aren't bad. Also, it's worth saying this is based off of a novel, okay? And I did uh, when I first saw that in the credits at the beginning, and I thought, oh, at least he's working for someone else's text. <laughs> Because also the last Shyamalan <laughs> film I went to see, I saw Glass, and I thought that was trash. Yeah, I did. Oh, that's all right. Just, uh, just, uh... Yeah. Um, Glass was <coughs> trash. Anyway, we talked about it enough. Lock at the cabin. Let us know your thoughts okay george should we go through some of the emails that we got this week if you wanted to send us an email you can do by emailing into hello hello, I, uh, hello. Oh, well you threw me the same time hello at, at paul like so many of you have including rocco rocco writes into the show and says wagwan brethren oh my goodness that's an english person he yeah. says <laughs> all right it's rocco here writing from canterbury where <laughs> i go to uni hope you're both well hey, and i love the pot." I want to talk action movies. My favourite two are The Raid 2011 and Mission Impossible Fallout. The former hmm. for its blistering pace and the best fight choreography I've ever witnessed. Yes, that's The latter true. for its larger scale and exciting large set pieces. Firstly, what are your thoughts on these two films? And secondly, what are your favourite action films and why? Do you look purely for thrills or do you like them to incorporate more dramatic themes? If you haven't seen The Raid, do it. I hope it changes your life like it did mine. Keep up the amazing work and have a great 2023. Rocco, and then he's got some controversial opinions, but start with- um, okay. Um, the uh, Raid The Raid 100% agree fantastic never seen anything like it until I'd seen it Brilliant. absolutely the punches land yeah. I really thought they're getting hit <laughs> scrappy yet well choreographed um, like, a, like dance like also, watching sorry, fine dance reminded me in Rashomon there's a bit that where there's a uh, uh, one version of events there's the very honourful uh duel and then it cuts and there's a very scrappy version mm. of the duel and i'm like we love a scrappy fight like the end of the revenant when they get we had that email yes before. yeah yeah brilliant um, what was the other film uh, just before just uh, the raid is one of those uh, films where like, i get lots of like clips of movies coming off yeah. of my suggested and whenever i see a raid fight scene always like saving I, it in a tab and... and i haven't seen the raid 2 oh yeah also great okay. also fantastic uh, yeah mission impossible fallout which is ah, the last one we've had, had yeah, yeah which well, i think well, is the best of the modern four Yes. No. Three. No, uh, From four. Four, five, four, six. five, six. Yes, I think, yeah. it is the I think it's the best. I think it's the best of that new era. era. Yeah. Yeah. Where Henry Cavill reloads his arms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. inverted helicopter flip oh, yeah. and yeah, that was good. Yeah, you're right. That is the best of that four. Yeah. Um, that's 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 what. I and then George' favorite action films and why? Uh, I I really struggle to think about it. I I usually just think of Die Hard. I just think Die Hard's that's great. Such a well executed brilliant film gives you the thrills Mm. but it's got a good story Mm. you're really kind of um i think i can't remember if we talked about this at the end of last year but i watched die hard what i love is how smart the the central characters are you like smart characters who can think john mcclain in that scenario wouldn't be able to think that quickly but he thinks so quickly about how to do stuff without being like a superhero yeah he's so inventive with whether it's the ho 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 i have machine gun or like um using the screwdriver to stop the fan so he can climb through just 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 that really engage you. You're thinking along with him. Like, oh, how are you going to get out of the scenario? Oh, you're one step ahead of me. And the same with Hans Gruber. He does the same. So I guess Die Hard. I'd say Matrix 1 for me is just up there. Uh, I think of that as science fiction for me. (coughs) You're kidding? The action in that is I mean, obviously, I know. It's it's, it's (laughs) era-defining. That that film is uh, brilliant in so many ways. It's wonderful at uh, introducing the threat of the enemy and the stakes Mm -hmm. and very clearly communicating to you how dangerous they are. Mm -hmm. And that amazing moment where he does not run from Agent Smith and Morpheus says, he is beginning to believe, <laughs> and you're looking at the code, and he turns around and he faces him, and that's just fantastic. And then, um, I, I kill Bill, I think, incredible action Ooh, movie. that again, I think, then, you know, as so a kid watching that really blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, Cinema Tarantino, but I, I guess like... that's so specific to Tarantino, it's like a genre, and yes, itself, it did. Tarantino like, films are... but volume... like, uh, Sorry, uh, I'm uh, over uh, uh, no, that's it. I'd say volumes one and two as a project. Yes. I think that the action in that is truly amazing. So the, uh, again, sequences like dance. What are the uh, um, controversial movie opinions from Rocco. The controversial, movie opi- the controversial movie opinions from Rocco are that Tron Legacy is a masterpiece. Wow. One of the best film scores of all time. A good film score, I agree with that. And that some Tarantino films such as Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are terrible and boring. Tron Legacy, um, I... Never seen it. No. Never seen the first original one from the 80s either, but I, Daft Punk did the soundtrack, right? Which makes total and sense. it's great. It is really I good. need to listen to that it. That was the first time I was aware of Livia Wilde and Garrett Hedlund And yes, my Garrett Headland and Jeff and, Bridges and is in also, there. And also, that's ahead of its time for doing the younger version of Jeff Bridges being the yes, villain. They de-aged. But... It looked like a real blue screen, green green screen, yeah. m- muddy mess. In but a- I believe, I believe, I do believe you, Rocco. In, in hindsight, I do feel like saying to the people who made that film, like, what were you expecting to happen? No one knows what Tron is in no. that. No one in 2010 knew what tr- remembered what Tron was from 1982. So. It's yeah. Uh, I can't say I'm going to go and rewatch it unless it's really like thrust upon me by many mm. other people. And then some controversial Tarantino opinions that Django and Chain once upon a time, once upon a time in Hollywood are terrible and boring. Um, I mean, I disagree. I and disagree. And with once upon a time in Hollywood, how many times have you seen it? And if you've only seen it once, give it another go. Give it another go. In an, like I did, and your eyes will be opened. Uh, next up, we have, next up, we have an email from Elliot who just says, "Friend ha- of the show, Elliot. friend of the show, Elliot." You know, a very engaged uh, follower, which is great. He says, "Hi guys, hope you're both keeping well." Love the podcast and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Other nice things to say, but we don't have to bore ourselves with hearing how nice we are. I think my most controversial movie opinion would be that I actually don't mind Alien 3 by David Fincher. It's notoriously hated by Fincher, who I believe has since disowned the movie. (laughs) But I, for one, think Fincher was the best thing about the movie. The cinematography is interesting with great atmosphere and lighting and it tries new ideas rather than copy the first two. I agree with that. The set design also feels new and imaginative, maybe a little unexplored, but different, and it deepens the the lore of the universe. I agree. Sigourney Weaver and Charles Dance are both great in the film. Yes, uh, both arguably giving a little too much of a solid performance for what the script requires, but they really do lift the material and hold your attention, even offering a nice underlying chemistry between them, where you want them to get together, generally feeling the sorrow when it comes to its grisly end. And ultimately, that's why I don't mind it. I recognize its flaws, and boy, does it have many of them, but I, for one, think it does have its charm, and I still loosely hope that Fincher gets another stab at the Alien franchise, uh, but with complete control. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, you know what- I, I like I... the idea, sorry, that uh, Alien's uh, D- David Fincher has disowned it, where someone's like, <laughs> your film, and he's like, nope. But then, I have heard that he, really just, he just won't talk about it. He had a very just, bad experience making wow. it. it was his first film. I, I agree, and the kind of redemption of Alien 3 has been happening for a while now. Um, <clears throat> It's not obviously it's not the first two, but there is enough interesting stuff in there, and it's very stripped down, kept to this prisoner planet. Originally, mm. it was going to be a wooden planet with loads of monks on it, right? And then it of became course. this sort of prison planet, and it's stripped down, and obviously it begins, and there's no a uh, there's, sorry, there's no hicks. there's no Hicks. It's Ripley has to shave her head, and it's 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 a bit more generic and a bit more schlockery, and like oh, there's a there's a monster on the loose. But I, I agree, 18.3, is not completely risible as people thought it was but it should have ended there christ alien oh, resurrection please stop good lord but um i agree alien alien 3 not terrible i think i watched alien 3 young uh, a friend's house whilst playing upon a PlayStation 2. So like oh, we had it on doing like two child. screens. I, I couldn't possibly comment on it in any authoritative <laughs> way. This next one is from Katarina who writes into the show and says, hello guys, I hope this email finds you all well. I'm listening to the podcast all the time and I'm having the greatest time as a fellow cinephile. Oh, thank you, Katarina. Thank you. You're welcome. I loved the Paul Mescal nomination. I'm obsessed with the guy. For the Oscars, yes. But it really blew my mind that they gave him a nomination with such a little experience work-wise, but I loved that they recognize the talent also i'm very excited about the marcel the shell nomination at last i think that eeaao everything everywhere all at once was a great film that had maybe a little too many nominations Mm. not that it doesn't deserve most of them but for example the double nomination on supporting actress was an actress was a little bit too much Mm -hmm. have a great day Cat. We did say that. I think. I think the Jamie Lee Curtis. God love her. Yeah, but I think it was a little bit. Uh, you can listen stretch. to all of the breakdown of the Oscar nominations in uh, the last episode. Please do go and check that out. Regarding Paul Mescal, you vote for the performance, not the career. I saying. think so too. I, I think. Um, I, I think where that's kind of happened is Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, winning for The Revenant. I think his best roles are outside of that film. Yes. I think he's very good in The Revenant and cumulatively his to, his career is worthy of academy he awards. He put every energy into getting that campaign and, and it was it, a yeah. meme that like he still hadn't won one but had been nominated so mm-hmm. many times. Like I think he's better in The Wolf of Wall Street and I think he's better I in agree. Catch Me If You Can and a couple I mean, other films you know, in many head. in his illustrious career. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it felt sorry, it felt like when he won that he wasn't just winning it for the Revenant. He yes. was winning it in the it same for way everything. that when Scorsese won for The Departed it's like you're you're, you're getting your ju- you just you yes. you're just, you're just desserts. Okay, uh, this next one up is from this next one up. Okay, this next email is from Kara. Kara says, "Hi guys, I was doing a rewatch of a couple of episodes. A, a rewatch, James. I uh, very good. Not only has she watched our episodes, she's gone back and rewatched them. I not listening." Watching. you get Gold star for you, Cara. Guys, if you didn't you expect- know, we filmed these. If you're listening right now, we filmed them. <laughs> Head over to YouTube and see what you're missing out on. And in your 50th episode, you discussed that you met at Sussex Uni. We yeah, did. Yeah, we did. Well, I hope to be going there this September to hey! do film studies. Uh, which is what, which is what I did. And thought it was a major coincidence. Been listening for a while now, mainly when re- revising for A-levels. Nice. And it's been great to listen to you guys who are so passionate about film. Some of your some of your recommendations have been amazing, such as with Barbarian, yes. Good Time. Yes. Love both of those, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Keep up the work and appreciate what you've been doing. Can't wait to hear more. Cara endorse it. Kara, great email. Well done for rewatching. I did go to we did go to such a university. George I, is qualified. I, I don't just bring any random person <laughs> onto my film book. I do have a first class uh, highest highest score in that year. I'm um, expecting you to read. now reveal yeah, your my, diploma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I happen to have it here with me. Um, yes, film studies at Sussex. Well, I had a great time. How and was film know- studies? What do you learn at a film studies degree? So d- if you go in thinking, I'm going to learn how to use a camera and that's and like media production, that no. is not what you're no, doing. No, you're doing uh, very, very important ways of regarding films and contextualizing them within history, within theory, within um, critical discourse. So, you know, the beginning of uh, your first year, we used, they really um, want you to think about how, to, how not only how to talk about a film, which most people are familiar with now, mise-en-scene, cinematography, editing, but then also world cinema. And the, we, we've talked about mm. the problematic way of talking about world cinema, which yeah. is a Western Foreign center. language film. And you're looking at the discourse of that throughout the ages and mm-hmm. all the important criticism of where that is now. You're then also talking about uh, film in the context of history, in uh, colonialism, post-colonialism, structuralism, post-structuralism,
1: I can it's ask also, Modernism,
0: postmodernism. Yeah. How are the ways? Because I, I find you know, conversations about degrees, what to do. How are you assessed? Is it essay-based, really essay based? Is it conversation? It's, it's essay based right. presentation. Good to know, because I don't think a lot of people essay-based are always and presen- broken down how um, you're assessed and presentation based. Nice. I remember one of the. I had quite it, it, the whole thing. I can just say was a massive learning curve. Fundamentally changed the way I looked at film in a completely positive way. It, it enriched it, and the hardest module we did was film theory, which was the first term of second year, and that really is getting you to. Uh, understand the political and ideological ramifications of making films, which I can't try and summarize now. It's so difficult, but obviously, um, uh, Laura Mulvey and the female gaze and the male gaze—that's obviously one element of it. And 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 you know, the films we are watching—that was just one week of it, yeah. right? And there's obviously, then there's colonialism, and then there's race in cinema as well. And the films and the texts you are watching are obscure and they're difficult. And the assessments that we were given every week were really tough to make sure that we understood what each critic was saying at this important juncture. Mm. But we got to the end of that uh, semester. And by God, I learned the most out of that semester. And the nice. way I looked at things, the way I judged films was very different from that from that moment onwards. So well, it's rare people are that enriched by... Yeah, and I was like, way it's, way it's just, just the most sometimes the most challenging, the most difficult and often the most dry was actually the most rewarding. Um, yeah, film studies, I, I have a great time, car. if you do go. I believe Michael Lawrence taught me. I don't know if he's still there. Uh, and Niall Ferguson, uh, Niall Richardson, I think actually, but who knows? If you go there, have a great time. This next one is from Matthew who says, hey guys, me again. After having listened to your thoughts on Tar, and I thought I might email in again and give my thoughts on it, as I am now halfway through my masters in music, studying both composition and conducting. I remember Matthew writing before. Straight away, Blanchet's performance is absolutely fantastic, and she is completely believable as a conductor. Her baton and rehearsal technique are completely believable and clear, but I think her performance really shines when she is discussing music as a pedagogue. Mm. Pedagogue- Wow, that's the first time that word's been said. Yeah, is a teacher, especially a strict or pedantic one. Uh, (laughs) I found myself, convinced she was a trained musician when she is talking about Bach's Prelude being a series of questions and answers that I'd never viewed it in that way before. I interpreted the film as being a commentary on the choices good and bad that people choose when pursuing creative mastery and the film follows these choices gradually catching up to her. I did think the film was slow at times and some of the subplots relied too much on being presented so abstractly. Perhaps this is intentional as I felt the film was presented in a similar way to German European films but I guess that could make sense as the film centers around the Berlin film Berlin Philharmonic. Mm. Coming away from the film, the ending is so chilling as I feel it shows that you can't escape your past however far you run from it. The attention to detail of her needing to locate certain sounds and noises in and around her environment hmm. resonated with me so much. I, along with other musicians I know, also find myself doing this and then going to the piano to work them out. Like in tar, they can actually stem musical ideas, but often than not, they don't. And it's just a really annoying musical itch that you just have to scratch. Hmm. It was also amazing to hear music presented in such a powerful way. Marla fifth in the Elgar Cello Concerto, Concerto really do blow you away in person. So to see that translated to screen was extremely rewarding. I really hope the film inspires more people to discover orchestral music as it is so much more varied and accessible than the stigma composers in fancy wigs who write music for posh people. (laughs) It still astonishes me that composers used to write these mammoth pieces of music just with pen and paper. Tickets for music at Southbank and Barbican, for example, are less than 20 pounds. And there really is nothing like hearing it in person course I would say this but I truly believe it all the best and sorry for the long email Matt from the exotic lands of te- of Texas i am about to say Texas Matt from the exotic lands of Essex Matt that is a That's really lovely really great well written email I've really enjoyed that that um, that perspective of uh, from coming from a you know degree I mean, in yeah. composition and conducting it's so That's valuable we, having context for the music that' lost on us but it's what we love to hear um, I heard an interview I mentioned that Kate Blanche interview with six music which I heard this morning and um, she was saying that when she was doing a scene, she would have music playing in her ear, fed to her. Oh. Sometimes classical, but sometimes it could be The Clash or it could be, um, you know, a c- cartoon music. But it was this idea that this this woman, this character, it's it just is so music. It's just music all the time. Mm. It's just thinking in melody. It's just it just it bursting with music, which I thought was really interesting. Really I love good. that audience are just out here getting qualified and all these very. They're all interested good luck to you and all your studies. All the study. Everyone wants, everyone's so. just sort of educating themselves in all these different areas and writing in with their perspectives. It's fantastic. Next email. Next email is from Adriana. Dear lads, and I, you know, I, she. She she explains in this email yeah. where, where she's uh, where she's based, but I would have thought, lads, England, lads, or Australia. Yeah, but that's fine. Dear lads, after sorry, do we have any New Zealand listeners? Actually, we have a couple oh, of Aussies. I, would, did I we thought have, we did. Did we have anyone? I want to say I'm like 80 sure we do. Get in touch if you if you are hailing from New Zealand. Anyway, <laughs> Adriana says, dear lads, after listening to many of your episodes and the emails you receive, I felt like an outcast in your audience. Oh. I am a 40 plus years old Brazilian woman living in Hamburg, Germany. Okay. I have not heard of you on TikTok. I don't remember exactly where I heard about you for the first time, but my best guess is that it was referenced in another podcast a couple of months ago. What? If we were mentioned in another podcast, that is uh, unbelievable. Can someone please tell us if that's true, if they have heard us referenced elsewhere? Please do. I'd be very interested to hear. And I very much appreciate, sorry to break from the stem of the email, when people are tagging us in their story, going, got a long car journey, going to listen to some podcasts, yeah. And they tag us, and they go, "Oh, these guys are great!" Always let us. the people know that you were listening to us. It's fantastic. Um, uh, yes. Um, well, first of all, Adriana, like, welcome. Uh, I love, <laughs> I love the mix of Demi- Yeah, uh, all this is a broad church. Everyone's welcome uh, of all ages and of all, of all creeds and colors. Please Forget come TikTok. Along. I've been secretly handing out leaflets to people <laughs> on the street. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Adriana says, "I formerly studied fine arts, but my career changed to marketing twenty plus years ago." and okay. Of all art forms, cinema has been the kind that traveled best with me in these modern times. I love that. Have you ever considered adding the Berlinale to your agenda? Do you ever follow at least the winners? I would love to hear your take on them as they usually have some creative storytelling going on while um, talking about current humane subjects. I know Brits and Germans are not the best of friends, (laughs) but how about all quiet on the Western front? Mm. I would love your take on it. I've seen many different reactions to it. Germans are so critical of it. I would love to see it from your foreigner and expert perspective. And is it the first time a German movie is the main Osc- is in the main Oscar category? Isn't it? I think in the main uh, Oscar category, might have to check that. Uh, I need to check. Um, thank you for being a interlocutor for me- to me, keeping alive this passion of mine. That's a really kind thing to say. Thank you. That's very One sweet. last thing, please be mindful of the non-native English-speaking audience breathe, <laughs> slow down, and try not to speak both at the same time. Uh, with we a will punch. try. I, um, I love your Britishness. Keep up the good work. Many thanks. vilaine Dank, Adriana. I can just imagine her listening, like squinting, like, yeah, what the fuck? I just shut what, the-, what the fuck up. <laughs> <shut? laughs> we have even talked <laughs> over each other in this episode. I really apologise. So we just do. going through that again. First of all, um, in terms of b- the Berlinale, um, not that engaged, with that, I'm sorry. No. Uh, German cinema, cinema as a whole, I, 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 I've enjoyed, and mm-hmm. I really... Uh, we're talking about director blind spots. Like Wim Wenders is one I want to go back and correct myself on. Uh, and uh, and I, I, you know, it's it's more than just the lives of others. I think Victoria, I think that was a German film uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I, the problem is, I've just said about how I like German cinema and, I mean, and my <laughs> answers make me sound so ignorant. So just ignoring that a second. Um, also, I love what you say. I know Brits and Germans are not the best of friends. We also have Polish heritage. So there's a whole history mixing <laughs> around here, again. Okay? We're all of us over, too. yeah. Um, but with all, all Quiet on the Western Front, look, I have put it in my diary to watch next weekend. It's, I've done Elvis, next we, on yes, my list, we, on the whale. We fully accept that we we are late to the party, but we will watch it and we will review it in good time. Um, uh, 1930, the third yes. ever winner of Best Picture was All Quiet on the Western Front, the original. But I think what's important about this one, isn't it, is that it's the first time it's been made in German language. Uh, interesting to hear that the Germans are really critical of it. I'd love to know why, actually. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go and watch that. Um, James, do you have, uh, there's a PS... I can read from Adriana. Uh, Do you have anything else to add? No, no, I agree with that. P.S. A controversial movie opinion Madland. I simply do not get why people love this film and felt touched by it. I thought it was poor, unilateral. I thought it was a poor, unilateral depiction of a multifaceted humanitarian problems. I could not get into the story or care for its characters. And I'm trying to you know, infer her frustration. Yes. Um, and the landscape immersion attempt didn't work for me. I did feel strongly upset. No, I did feel strongly upset how the film was made. The mix of fiction and documentary feels so invasive to me and borderline unethical. It just left me with such a bad impression. Um... I think that's a perfectly fair opinion. I personally disagree. I thought no, that yeah. was really beautiful. I loved the beauty of the landscape. It's landscapes. stunning. It's a gorgeous to look at. at the yeah, it contrasted with the sort of small detail, humane uh, beauty of of everyday people. I, I know they mixed a bit of fact and fiction, but for me, I just took that whole film as a fiction because it is a, uh, you know a film, that for me was how it, how it was presented to me. And I I thought it was really striking. And it's really one of Frances McDormand's best performance. Yeah, totally. She's uh, incredible. And she shits in a bucket in that movie. Um, anyway, sorry to lower the tone. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ojiana, for your email. And we will, of course, try to speak a little bit clearer and not talk over each other. Next up, Uta comments on are the Banshees of Inner Sharon review on YouTube. She says, I'm an elderly woman from Northern Germany. Also, She's- wait, we we'll So like. The old women in Germany. Whoa, the- whoa, 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 whoa. Adriana's not <laughs> old. She's 40 plus. Let's just get that for the record. Adriana, I hear you. You're not okay, old. Okay. But Uta's the thumbnail picture de- doesn't look elderly. She looks like, I, I don't the, know, I, I can't. The, I think what we should be saying is the demographic <laughs> enlarging listeners from Germany <laughs> yeah. are doing us great Women this week. 40 plus. Just coming in with the 40 emails. plus, that's right. We'll 40, 40 upwards. Um, sorry, get back to Uzi. That's fine. I'm an elderly woman from northern Germany who's been watching The Banshees of Inner Sharon in our little art house cinema three times in three weeks now. Wow. And I still discover pieces of information I hadn't recognized before. I'm still in awe at how masterfully Banshees is made. The perfect lighting inside as well as outside. I agree, it looks lovely. At the scenery, mm-hmm. the pieces of beautiful music spread throughout the film in just the right places. The on point dialogues and the quality of the actors that made me feel really feel the characters they played as if i known them all my life. And the film is so filled with subtle bits of information, you certainly may miss at first. But when you grasp them, watch it twice at least, I know many other viewers did already. I was by far not the only one. They add valuable meaning to scenes and situations later in the film, and may shed a different light on them. The actors and actresses really brought their roles to life, and made them feel so real, I felt like knowing the characters and feel with them. To me, this film really is a masterpiece, and has already joined the ranks of my very few all-time favourites. Thanks for your review, Paul Kitchen. Uta, a lovely comment, thank you. I mean, we talked about the banshees quite a lot, but I will just say, you know, you and I are like, yeah, we're fine with it. But it's clear, I know people, and it's clear from Uta's comment that it's really connecting with some people, and they really get a lot of out of it. Out of it. <laughs> they really like it. I agree, it's a very subtle film, and having seen it twice now, I do pick up on other things in it. I still think I'm like, okay, I'm, it's fine. But I, I, lo- I love that it's it's found its audience and people are really responding to it. So yeah. great. Uh, this great. makes me feel like I need to rewatch it and I need to not be looking for the same thing I looked for when I first went to go right. see it. Well, there you go. Ute, thank you very much. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. If you wanted to write into the show, you can do, of course, by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. And we would love to hear opinions, discuss them on the show. Any other women over the age of 40 in Northern Germany, please, <laughs> now's your chance that, that, that these two have uh, broken well, down hang on, door. Hang on, Adriana says she was from Hamburg. And in my ignorance, I'm just going to see what part of Germany. Oh, that's in. The, I, yeah. have, I, I, I assumed it was in the north or is it central let's have a look it's in northern germany yeah. <laughs> you never know what algorithm is just going to point you that way <laughs> welcome to the james. show we're going on tour <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what's the biggest <laughs> venue in hamburg <laughs> it's just an army of 45 year old women like they yeah. really are excited <laughs> okay okay james as ever we're going to end with the game and guess what I've only gone and made a new one for A us. new game? A new game that is quite niche. So here's the game, James. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you can guess the film from one word. Ooh, okay. A difficult one, a niche one. If you really know your films, okay. and you're really clued up, you one should word. be able to get this. Okay? Is, are these one words a line? It could be it's anything. one word, James. Some of them are obvious. Some of them <clears throat> are fiendish. Okay, you got the rules? I got the rules. Let's run this through. Okay, this is hard. Can you guess the movie in one word? Okay. Three, two, one. Shark. Jaws. DeLorean. Uh, uh, back to the Future. Okay. Detention. Uh. The Breakfast Club. Right. Bellagio. Oh, Um. Bellagio. <sighs> That no. is Ocean's Eleven. It's the casino. Oh, yes, right? okay, when he okay. The coins okay. Out the yes, way. no, you're right. Uh, Rosebud, uh, American Beauty, <laughs> wrong. Citizen Kane. Oh, okay, cannoli. Cannoli. Uh, Goodfellas. <laughs> no, The Godfather. Close. <sighs> Milkshake. Uh, 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 what's it called? Um, no, uh, No Country for Old Men. No, no sorry, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> Same year. There will be blood. There will be Come blood. Peach. No, don't, no. it's um, <laughs> call me by your name. Thank you. I would have also accepted Parasite. Wilson, uh, Castaway. Yes, Omaha, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yes, Andy. Andy. Toy Story? Yes, Shrimp, uh, Forest Gump. Yes, Jury. A Few Good Men, 12 Angry Men. Okay, yeah. Soap, uh, Fight Club. And last of all, Dreams. Inception. Well done. Well done. You got into it. You I like you. this. Good game. All right. And you can sort of one word, you can be hard, you can be easy. Yeah. I think Andy's. I think I was lucky to get Andy in Toy Story. Are you ready for round two? I'm ready for round. Alright, round two. This is gonna be difficult, but we'll get there, okay? Okay. Round two. Guess the movie in one word. Three, two, one. Sin. Sin City. Mm. Uh, hold on. Uh seven. Correct. Chianti. Uh, 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 d- uh d- with the Jenny Foster. Uh, it's um. What's on? It's the, the, it's the, name of the Wormhole. Uh, Interstellar. Opal. Uh, uncut gems. Yes. Rat. The Departed. Yes. Tempo. Uh, Whiplash. Correct. Napalm. Um, Apocalypse Now. Yes. Tricycle. Tricycle. Oh, oh come on uh, C- cinema tricycle et no <laughs> shining. shining oh yes, yeah, of course mozart um tar no amadeus Amadeus. balloons up yes quaalude uh wolf of wall street dinosaur uh jurassic park solomon uh 12 years a slave lager oh um train spotting yes yes Say it three times. yes, yes. Lager, 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 Lager. well done close you gotta you know got a i don't know why but sometimes like the the name of the movie is i know i know exactly what movie it is but the title is now escaping me because of the word association like, yes that's the that's your brain wants me. to connect it as a word but it's I like like I know there will be blood, but like for some reason that just was like uh, milkshake the blood, milkshake (laughs) of no country for old men. And Bellagio, I was like that's you know specific. Do you remember the bit in the end of Ocean's Eleven where he's like he's looking at the hotel security footage and he sweeps the coins out the way and he realizes they've built the vault because yeah. on, on the floor it says Bellagio and on the other one, I thought maybe anyway, anyway. Home Alone because of the hotels. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mission um, Impossible, what, know I mean, that's Drake Hotel, Chicago. Did you like, did I you very like much enjoyed that. I think that's One word movie. Let they, well, us, no, movies in one word. I hope you enjoyed that at home. I hope you were screaming some of them as well. And if you really enjoyed it, why don't you look out for it on TikTok where it'll be making an appearance and you can give it a like and a, and, a, and, a, and a comment and you can share it and even add it to your favorites. That is how we grow the show, unless you are in North Germany. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of podcast. Don't don't forget we post new episodes of the show every single wednesday um guys also just as ever like comment and share with your friends spread the word if you can if you really enjoyed this that'd be great and keep sending your emails in tiktok and instagram uh we we, and look out for extra content we put out uh we really appreciate and thrive on your support thank you so much We'll see you next week see you next week